uh, we're starting off a brand uh, new series uh, when Christ returns. We're going to be talking about end times. What does that mean? In fact, the study of end time is the word eschatology. Eschatology. I'm not going to use that word a lot, but that's just to give you an idea in case you ever hear that word. It's the study of end time. And, and, and so for the next few weeks, we're going to kind of dive into what that is, what it means. What does it mean to be in the end times? Well, what does it look like when Christ returns? What happened to you? What happened to me when all this takes place? And, and, and so very important stuff that we want to, to, to uncover, to unpack for the, you know, what we're going to be a three-week series turned into like a five-week series, okay? So, um, or six weeks. I, I can't remember. We're gonna, we'll finish it when we, when we finish it in the next five or six weeks. And uh, because I think it's a very helpful information and information for you to understand. A lot of people don't understand what that means to live in the end times or what does that mean to be in the end times and the return of Jesus. Uh, but before we dive into that, I think it's very important for us to do a little disclaimer. Now, uh, you know a disclaimer, okay? We gotta do a little disclaimer here. And uh, let me explain it like this. There are things that in our scriptures, there are things in our Christian world that would either be one of two things. They're either a open-handed issues or a closed-hand issue. Open hand, closed hand. When you say, well, Scott, what are, what's the difference between open-handed and, and closed-handed? Well, well closed-handed issues are, are, will be the things that we believe that are essential to our salvation in Jesus Christ. For example, we would say that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is definitely a closed-handed issue. There's no question about it. There's no, there's no second guessing about the resurrection. In fact, if we don't really believe that the resurrection is that important to our faith, then really our Christianity will implode. Everything kind of hinges, you know, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that's a closed-handed issue. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, okay. Uh, um, the sinless life of Jesus, that is a closed-handed issue. You know, we believe that Jesus lived a, a perfect life. Um, the authority of Scripture is a closed-handed issue. I mean, I believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, that the Scripture is the Word of God. I don't believe that the Bible contains the Word of God. In other words, I don't believe that, you know, throughout Scripture, you know, some of it is God's Word and it's inspired, and others are just kind of fluff. No, I believe all of it, from Genesis to the maps, right? I mean, I think all of it's great. I love the maps, okay? You know, so, but anyway, I mean, the entire God's Word is, is, is inspired, and, and, and I just closed-handed issue. Now, open-handed issues are things that we can talk about things that we can discuss, but they're not essential to our salvation. For example, when I was growing up, I, I, they made the translation of the Bible a closed-handed issue. And you know, for me, what that meant for me was I, I, there was only one Bible translation, and that was the King James Version. And, and, and everything else, wasn't good enough. It wasn't good scripture. It was bad, you know. So you had to stay, and that was a close, for us growing up, that was a closed-handed issue. Now, here at late point, I opened the hand because I realized, you know, it's not a closed-handed issue. So for me, it's an open-handed issue. And I got people, listen, I got friends that love different translations. I still got friends that love the King James. And in fact, half the verses I know that's memorized in my head is still in King James, you know, translation still, you know. But I, I embrace, you know, what, what, you'll see two, two translations today. You'll see the New International Version and then the NIV and then the New Living Translation and uh, the NLT. And, uh, but that's an open-handed issue. We don't divide and we don't stand. This is not a conviction. This is not a hill that we're going to die on. Translation. Um, uh, another open-handed issue would be like you know, a lot of ideas about creation 
and, and, and went to the start. And, and some, I got good friends that believe in a old earth creation that the, the earth is a lot longer than 6,000. I'm, I'm a young earth kind of a guy. But listen, I have friends on both sides of the issue, and we're still friends. We may disagree on, on, the, on the nuances of creation, but at the end of the day, we believe that God created heaven and the earth. Okay, at the end of the day, we believe that that's the one common denominator, but there may be some nuances that are open-handed issues. Open-handed issues. Uh, the functions of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's an open-handed issue. You know, I know what I believe and this is where I live, but I got friends that have different viewpoints on the gifting of the Spirit, and, and that's okay. I don't, I don't look down my nose and say, oh, they're wrong and I'm right. You know, we may disagree on how that works, but at the end of the day, we still love each other. We're still friends. And, and so when we talk about end times, end time, it's an open hand issue. Sure, there are going to be some common denominators, I think, that we'll all agree on. But there will be some nuances, and, 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 and that's okay. You know, and as I have studied scriptures over the years, my, my position has changed and tweaked over time as well, you know, in, in the way I look at things, and the way I interpret scripture. But here's the deal. If you're at the end of the series, don't agree with everything I said, that's okay. We're still friends. I still love you. You can still come to Lake Point Church. All right, this is not a dividing issue. And in fact, in the after church, we can hug it out. You know, we can hug it out and we can move on. We can grow from that. We can learn from each other. We can listen to each other. So this is open-handed. So I wanted to kind of put that disclaimer out. Hope we understand it. We understand this is not a closed-hand issue, but there are some very important things that we need to talk about. And it's necessary. And that's why we're doing this series. And, and, and so as we kind of lay the groundwork. I thought it would be good to just, you know, before we really kind of dive into a lot of different, different things in the next few weeks, just to kind of um, get the ball started, a, a foundation, if you will, and I want to talk about three mistakes that the church, I'm not talking about lay point church necessarily, but the church, the Christian church makes. Three mistakes that we, when I say we, the church, the Christianity, that we make, three mistakes that we make. And so, I, I, my question is, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Yes. Good, huh, I got one person who's really excited, okay. Are you, how about everybody else? Everybody else is excited? All right, yeah, all right, there we go. Mistake, mistake number one, mistake number one. Uh, we, we don't talk about it. That's the first mistake, we don't talk about it. And honestly, this with me sometimes. This was me for years. I want to talk about it because when you talk about end times, it gets people freak out. People start to worry. You know, people start to, people start to get nervous. And, 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 and so we don't talk about it. And sometimes I didn't talk about it because people get worried about it. In, in fact, I think this is true just about anything that's coming down the pipeline. You know, I, when I live in Florida, you know, and I'm from up here, and when I first moved down there, and they got me my house, and, 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 and it was hurricane season, and, 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 and the weather channel, they like to put out the forecast, and they see a hurricane, it's way out in the Atlantic Ocean. But they've got enough, uh, you know, enough uh, history to kind of show, hey, this is where potentially could happen, so they give you the, the cone. I uh, many even know what I'm talking about, the cone. And it starts, you know, where, you know, the, the, the point in is where the, the actual system is at, you know, and it's not even a hurricane sometimes. Sometimes it's a tropical depression. And then they have timelines in the cone, and then it gets bigger and bigger, and then it kind of, usually, in about two weeks out, it, it kind of takes you almost to the mainland of Florida. You don't know where yet. I mean, it's still out there, and it's pretty broad, and every day they, they update the cone. And then at some point, when you start to see the cone reaching the, the land of Pensacola, that's where I was living, you know, people start to freak out. Now, we're, we're still seven, eight days away from the hurricane, and it still commits us. 
I mean, the cone is still wide. It could go 100 miles east or west. But people start going crazy. And I didn't know this. I mean, I went to the grocery store probably about six days before this hurricane potentially could hit Pensacola. And I'm walking through the grocery store just to get basic supplies, just to get basic water, you know, just the basic stuff. Not hurricane preparation stuff, just regular shopping. And I walk down the aisle and the, the shelves are empty. And I asked one of the workers, I said, hey, um, what's going on here? Why are you guys uh, having a uh, refill? I said, no, I mean, there's a hurricane coming. I said, well, the hurricane's not here yet. I mean, <laughs> I said, but no, it's coming. You know, you got to be prepared. Everybody came out here about two weeks ago, you know, when this thing was out in the Atlantic Ocean. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just want a bottle of water. I just want some food here. And he said, oh, man, you kind of missed that boat. Well, thankfully, I was able to get some because, you know, as a homeowner, I realized I got to have some of these basic supplies. And, and, and I wasn't quite ready for that very first hurricane. Now, I know a lot of you here, you know, probably never had to experience a hurricane and, and, a, and a mad rush of stuff out of a store, but maybe you can relate about two years ago. Remember two years ago? Yeah, okay, yeah, vaguely. Some of you are trying to, I'm trying to forget what happened two years ago. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out, right before, you know, the, the, the pandemic, I don't know, it, it hasn't even shown up yet. We, we're hearing about it in other parts of the, of the country, other parts of the world. Now, people start to go shopping. I go shopping, and I, couldn't, I, I still can't figure out the correlation between a virus and toilet paper. But that's just what happened. Anything something coming down the pipeline, anything that's coming down the pipeline, you know, people freak out. They get nervous. And they do things out of ordinary. And so a lot of times, we don't talk about end time because for some people, that's what it does. It freaks them out, makes them nervous. Now, let me just say this really quickly. About 30% of the Bible it's prophecy, and most of the prophecy is actually about end times. It's about end time. End time prophecies were given for two reasons, if you're taking notes. Number one, the first reason why we have prophecies, end time prophecies, is to encourage the believers. And so if you're a, a, a follower of Christ today, it, it, it's not to freak you out. It's to encourage you. But then there's number two, the second reason why we have end-time prophecy is to warn the non-believers. It's to warn them. And I, it reminds me a little bit of, and I, I'm, a, I'm a student of history. I love, I, I love in 1775, there was a man named Paul Revere. Remember him? If you study your history, you know this guy. You know, and he, he, he sees the British. They're coming. And so what did he do? He got out of horse. And he warned everybody. He said, hey, y'all need to wake up. Hey, the British are coming. The British are coming. The British are coming. He went all over the place warning people that the British were coming. And so we, we have two things here. If you're a believer, we're to be encouraged. If you're a non-believer, you'll be warned. You know, and if you know someone that's a non-believer, you have a responsibility to warn them, to give them a heads up and say, hey, you know, it matters. It matters because Jesus could come back anytime. Now listen, if there's all this still freaks you out, if you're still a little nervous about this, I don't want you to worry. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian. In fact, you find yourself having something in common with the Thessalonians. Right? Remember, Paul wrote two letters to the people of Thessalonians, the group of people, and, 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 and these people were nervous. They were really nervous. In fact, someone had already showed up to these people and told them that they, that they missed the return of Jesus, that Jesus came back and, and <laughs> that, they, that they got left out, that they got left behind, and, and they were really upset. And, and so Paul wrote uh, this letter just to kind of, hey, calm them down, let them know, hey, you haven't missed it, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and then he encouraged them. And, and so if you can, look at the Bible, and the first Thessalonians chapter four and verse 16. 
Bible says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Now, let's stop here for a minute. This is going to be a, this, this shout is going to be something else. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it's going to be. There's been some debates, you know, especially when you're in seminary school and in the Bible college, or preacher boys, we get together and say, what do you think this shout's going to be? You know, and, and, I, and we, we have no idea. I like to think that, you know, maybe it's geographical. Like if you, if you live out west, maybe, the, maybe the, the shout is like, you know, round them up. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's something like that for the cowboys out there. You know, or, or if you're in, in Alabama, you know, uh, the shout is roll tide. <laughs> or if you're in Michigan, maybe the shout is go blue. I, I, you know, who knows, right? Who knows? You know, I know it's not any one of those, but it's going to be a shout, and we're not going to miss it. It's going to get our attention, that's for sure. All right, if I was said, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. So there could be a shout, there could be this angel voice, and then we're going to hear the trumpet blast. And then the Bible said that the Christian, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. And if you're alive, when that happens, that's going to be something else. Hey, it's going to be something different. In fact, I think it can be kind of cool. All right? and so you're going to see this. And, and then the Bible says, for those who are still alive, he says, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. And I like that. I like that. You know, listen, remember the audience. Paul's, not, Paul's writing it to Christians. So it's, a, a plot, it's assumed here that those who are in Christ, when the Lord comes, for those who are Christian, you will be caught up together with the Lord. But then the Bible said in verse 18, Paul closed this, and he's trying to calm him down. He says, so encourage, underline that word if you would, he, so encourage each other with these words. In other words, Paul said, if you haven't missed it, <laughs> you didn't miss the boat, you, you, you would have heard the shout, you would have heard the trumpet, you would have seen people, you would have seen the grave open up, you didn't miss it. <laughs> so be encouraged and be ready. The Lord is coming back. Now, real quick, we're going to talk more about this word next week, but this word, um, but there's a term for when Jesus comes back, and that word is the word rapture. Rapture. Now, I know, I know, there's someone here in this room that says, you know, Scott, do you know that the word rapture is not in the Bible? And I would say, you're absolutely correct. The word rapture is not you in the scripture. But just because it doesn't show up, that word doesn't show up in the scripture, doesn't mean that it's real. I mean, take, for example, the word trinity. The word trinity is not found, that word is not found in the scripture. But we believe it. It's a pretty and very important closed-hand theological term. You know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, three and one, one and three. All right, and so just because it's not, that word is not in the scripture doesn't mean that it's not true, that's not real. And next Sunday, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more and see what that is and see what that means and, and help you get a better understanding of the rapture. But here, my friend, listen. As we talk about this in this series, don't get freaked out. Don't get freaked out. Don't get full of anxiety. In fact, be encouraged. And if you're here today, you don't know Jesus. I, I hope that this will be a wake-up call for you, that you, will hear, that you will hear the truth and that you will make a decision to know Jesus. not too late today to know Jesus and have a relationship with him. Here's the second mistake that Christian and the Christian world make. We set dates. We set dates. Let me, let me ask the parents a question. Um, when your child was born, 
Did that baby show up on time? In fact, a study has shown that 5 to 10 percent of babies actually show up on their due date. 5 to 10 percent. We usually all, you know, by either, you know, a couple weeks, well, a couple, a couple days, maybe, you know, I, I know some babies, listen, some babies, they're in your mama's belly, and they're very comfortable. They don't want to get out. I mean, they're like, man, it's warm. You know, I got food. I have a trampoline, which is your bladder. And <laughs> mom, I, I, I'm, I'm quite comfortable here. I do not want to get out, you know, and, 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 and therefore they're, they're staying in your belly for an extra two weeks. Uh, and, and so we, but we make a mistake when we say, hey, hey, everybody, listen, I have a due date, and this baby is going to come on that day. And if you say that, I like to put them, you know, I don't gamble, but I like to put something down, okay? So, okay, I got 5 to 10% odds against you here, you know, going, you know, uh, going for me, you know? And, hey, listen, we make a mistake. And, and just, you know, and again, I'm glad we know that we know the season. We can know the season of when that baby's going to come. We kind of know very close. We can, and, and thanks to our science today, we can, can kind of narrow it down. And that's the same thing with, with end times. You know, we have set dates. We have seen people set dates over the years. In fact, if you, uh, uh, maybe in 1988, I, would, um, I, I remember this time. If you weren't around, you can Google it. But there was a guy that wrote a book, and that book was called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Take Place in 1988. 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. And he, he actually sold, listen, he sold five million copies of this book. He did very well, very well. And, and, and then on September 13, 1988, that, because that was the due date, <laughs> that was, <laughs> was going to happen. You know, actually he had a three-day window, September 11th to September 13th, 1988. And um, it didn't happen. And so everybody was like, hey, man, what, what happened here? And he went back and did some more research and said, hey guys, I, 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 I messed up. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not kidding. The, the guy went back, he wrote a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, he, he, so the second book was called Unborrowed Times. Okay, and, and so he put another date out there, September 1st, 1989. So one year, he was out one year off. And so he wrote another book. A bunch of people bought more books, and, um, and it did very well. And, uh, and then after 1989 happened, you know, the guy became a weirdo, okay? And you can find a book on Amazon, but unfortunately, it's out of print. <laughs> All right, so just FYI, but if you want to read the reviews, they are somewhat fun to read, okay? <laughs> people have been setting dates for years. Jehovah Witness, a cult, they have set multiple dates in the past 100 years. Um, there was another date. Some of you might remember this. It's on December 12th. I'm sorry, December 21st, uh, 2012. How many of you remember that? That was the Mayan calendar, you know? And, and someone said, hey, you know, God, have you heard about the Mayan calendar? I'm like, no, I don't know any Mayans. You know? <laughs> no, no, they're gone, you know? But they had put out a calendar, and the last date in their calendar, you know, way back when, it's December 21st, 2012. And I thought, okay, yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people kind of like, where, where, where did it go on December 21st? And of course, we all know that didn't happen. Here's what I believe. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. He said, I, you know, in fact, he said, no one can know the date. We can know the season, but not the date. And here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus could return at any time. And I believe that it's very soon. On your car, and if you own a vehicle, you, you, would, if, you probably haven't seen it, but it's always been there. Uh, in one of your side mirrors, they, they have this little, these words on the bottom of your mirror. Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Now, if you see this guy in your mirror, 
Add Q. There we go. They're very close to a ticket, you know. However, if she sees this guy in the mirror, is, am I in your way, Scott? All right, all right. I don't want to be in your way. But you know, if you see this guy in the mirror, Scott, it's not going to be a good day for you. You know, all right. you're, you're about to see Jesus really, really soon. Hey, listen. I believe, yeah, I believe through the reflection of scripture that Jesus' return is closer than it appears. It's closer. I want you to look here. With that in mind, look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 32. The Bible says, and this is Jesus talking, he said, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. I want you to stop here, and I want you to underline the word fig tree. Many biblical scholars and Messianic Jews, they say that this refers to the nation of Israel, the fig tree. He said, I learned this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as it twists, get tender, and it leaves come out. You know that summer is near. By the way, Jesus in this whole chapter, he's talking about his return. He's talking about this, in fact, there's a term for this chapter called the Olivet Discourse. And, you know, and, and for, for the disciples and the people that are listening, a lot of it would, I mean, it was kind of over the head. And if you were to read this chapter, it can be kind of hard to read and understand what Jesus is talking about. But the fig tree, as soon as it twists, get tender, and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. So Jesus, Jesus said, look, you need to pay attention. Pay attention to the nation of Israel. Okay? And then he said in verse 33, even so, when you see all these things, what things? We're going to talk about that next week. What are these things? The signs of end time. But the big point right here that Jesus is making is this big tree. He said, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Then he said in verse 34, this is interesting. He said, I tell you the truth. This generation, what generation? What generation? You're talking about the generation. You're talking about this generation. I'm talking about the one right here, right now. Listen. Jesus is saying the generation that saw Israel formed as a nation. This generation. I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. I'm going to unpack this in just a minute. Hang with me. He said this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. I look at verse 36. Skip down one more verse. But about that day, about that hour, no one knows. I'm not going to put a due date out there. And he said, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so the nation of Israel is essential to end-time prophecies. In fact, people for years kind of laugh at end-time prophecies because Israel didn't exist. When you look at prophecies and end-time prophecies, there is the nation of Israel. For 2,000 years, the nation of Israel did not exist. Just to kind of go back into the history book a little bit. You know, Jesus was, you know, crucified and resurrected and taken up to heaven around 33, 34 A.D. And about 35 years later, after the resurrection of Jesus, at 70 A.D., the Roman Empire decided to level Jerusalem. You know, now during Jesus' time, the Roman Empire was kind of, you know, there. They were in charge. But they decided, you know, there was a new emperor. He, he just wanted to wipe them off. And the people of Israel scattered. And for 2,000 years, there was no nation of Israel. In fact, the land that now Israel, you know, you know was just part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, you had 
the Iran, Iraq, and all these countries, there was no Israel. But then in 1939, world history happened, and a world history, a major event happened in world history, and that was World War II. And we all know that what happened there in the six years, 1945, the war ended. And a few years after the war, in 1948, May 12th, the nation of Israel was birthed, was formed. You say, well, Scott, what does that mean? I'm just a preacher here. And I, and I believe, as best as I can interpret scripture, I believe that Jesus is telling us that the generation the generation that sees Israel form as a nation could see Jesus at that time. I believe this. It's closer than it appears. I believe it's closer than it appears. Jesus said, we, may not, we don't know the dates or the time, but we can know the season. I want to unpack that a little bit more next week. I'm just telling you, closer than it appears. We just need to be ready. We need to be ready. Number three, this is where I want to land the plane. We obsess over the what and when, or we miss the who. We obsess over the what and when, and we miss the who. My wife and I are at a stage in our parenthood well, our two kids are old enough to just be left at home, and we can just go out to eat when we want to go out to eat, go on a date, do whatever we want. Well, before we had to get a babysitter, and it was a whole, you know, whole thing. Now it's easier. It's getting easier. And, and it's nice. It's, you know, <laughs> we, finally, we finally got there. And uh, well, before, you know, when you have kids, you know, I, you know right now, hey, you want to go out to eat? Yeah, let's go. We could be at a restaurant in 30 minutes. You know, if, if before, hey, honey, want to go out to eat? Yeah, let's go out to eat, and we're at a restaurant five days later. Uh, so you, you, I think you all can understand. And when you have that baby, especially, you know, and if your parents, if you had babies and maybe the one-year-old, you can understand what I'm talking about. I mean, there's a lot involved. There's a lot involved to go anywhere. I mean, you got to pack a diaper bag, you know, you got to pack diapers. You got to pack snacks. I mean, how many of you are thankful for goldfish? I'm thankful for goldfish, all right? I mean, you have to pack snacks, you know, bottles, empty bottles, you know, more diapers, toys to pack and play, you know. Uh, it just keeps on and on and on. And meanwhile, you know, you got the car seat, you know, in the house. You put the baby in the car seat, and, then, and, and the baby's sleeping. No big deal, right? The baby's snoozing while you're running around, and you're in a hurry because, you know, um, what used to take a couple minutes to get out of the house, it's a whole 30 minutes. You know, and you're packing everything up and making sure you got extra clothes and extra diapers. And, 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 and then, of course, you got to double check the list. You load up, you know, the husband load up the car and throw everything in the car. And, and the, you know, wife comes out and you hop in the car and you're like, Phew. you know, you put the car in reverse and start backing up. And then all of a sudden it dawned on you that you left the baby in the house. I'm not saying that ever happened to us. <laughs> you see, sometimes we can get so obsessed about all the details that we forget about the who. And when it comes to it 10 times, listen, it's important to know things. That's why we're having a series on it. My hope and my prayer is that at the end of a day, that we become more obsessed about who Jesus is. Because he... It's the star of the show. He is the star. And all the spotlight of all of humanity is pointing to him. It's all about who Jesus is. And that's what we're here to study about. We're here to study and to worship the name of Jesus. I want to look at some verses in the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation it's <laughs> one of those, oh, man, Scott, I was hoping you wouldn't go there because that's a scary book. Listen, I don't want to get freaked out. This is an awesome book. And you're going to see in this series that the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is all about Jesus. 
It's all about God who is in control. And we're going to unpack that later in this series but through the book of Revelation. But I want to look at a couple of the verses. In chapter 4 and chapter 5, we see that the amazing worship that's going to take place one day. Check this out. Revelation 4, verse 8. Day after day, night after night, that means 24-7, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Holy, holy, holy. You know that's the only time in the Bible that that word it's repeated three times. You don't see love, 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 grace, grace, grace. We don't see mercy, mercy, mercy. But we see holy, holy, holy. The word holy means without sin. Without sin. That means that when we sing holy, 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 in that moment, in that moment, we are, we are focused on Jesus. My friend, you know that when you focus on Jesus, you know what happens? Depression disappears. Anxiety disappears. Worry disappears. Temptation disappears. Doubt disappears. Listen, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, no, nobody's going to have to run out to take their meds. Because we'll all be unmedicated in the presence of the healer, the king of kings, the, the lord of lords, and there will be no doubt in our mind who's on the throne. And I know we live in a world today that seems like it's, full, that it's, that it's like out of control. We've got the Ukraine thing happening. We've got our economy issues supply chain issues, we've got our own personal issues, but at the end of the day, we have a God that rules and that reigns, and when we get to heaven, we're going to be singing. In fact, this next passage just blew my mind. Look at verse number 11. He said, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. Oh, I love that. You created what you please. Maybe there's someone here today, maybe you're watching online, and you've been feeling, you've been feeling, Scott, my life has no purpose. My life has no meaning. My life has no value. Listen, I want you to know that you are loved by God. God has given you a gift. He has given you life. Make no mistake about it. God is pleased with you. There's never been a person that he created that's like, whoops, I didn't mean to make that one. Every person, every person that he's ever created, he was pleased. And we were made by God, every one of us. And we were made for God. And God's desire for every person in this room, for those who are watching, is to join him in a relationship, not a, not a religion, but in a relationship with, with him. He wants to invite you to the table. He wants to invite you to this amazing worship assembly that we see here in chapter 4 and 5. Take a look at chapter 5, verse 11. Then John the apostle, he said, I look again. I love this. He said, I look again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels. I mean, that kind of threw me off when I first read it. John, John the apostle said, I, I cut a thousand. Wait a minute, wait a minute, correct that. Millions. That's a big jump. If we do the math, if we do the math on a million angels, that's a lot of angels. There's a ton of angels. The Bible said, and I look again, and I heard the voices 
of thousands and, and, and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. I heard the voices. Let me ask you a question. Is it going to be loud? Millions of voices of angels. Is it going to be loud? I think so. It's going to be loud. It's going to be amazing. Bible said in verse number 12, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Other translations says a loud voice. They sang loudly. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Did these angels, their attention is all on Jesus. It's all on Him. They're lifting up the name of Jesus. And then we all join in. Because John said this in verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the, under the earth, and in the sea. That, that's all of us. We're all sin. Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. My friend, it's going to be loud. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be real because we're going to be focused on one man, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the one who was and is and is to come. And that, my friend, is what end times is all about. As I would think about how to close this service, I couldn't think of a better way than for us to sing, holy, 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 with the Lord God Almighty. In just a minute, I'm gonna pray, and then Tom and the band are gonna come up here, and we're gonna sing. Some of you may just need to reflect, but I pray in the next few minutes, that you think and live and focus on the name of Jesus. The one who is. The one who was and is. And is to come. Father, in your name, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask you to help us in the next few minutes as we worship you. As we worship you. as we focus on your son, Jesus. See, God, this is what we're going to do in the next few minutes. What we're going to do in the next few minutes, God, is heaven practice. Because one day, the real thing actually happens in the presence of our Savior. And so, God, help us to lift up the name above all names, Lord of Lords. King of kings, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with us? As we bring all attention and focus unto the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God, who was and is and is to come. He is worthy.
Some picture the uh, return of Christ to be a terrifying thing. You know, again, the scripture says that the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ, and then the whole world will know. They will know him. You and I will know him. You can be scared, or you can feel that his work will be made manifest and be able to be glorified in him and my friends your stress of the day will seem so petty so may you worship in freedom may you worship with hope may you not be afraid of this world and say well 
tarry not, Lord. <laughs> Start wringing your hands. May we be the ones that say every time it gets worse, oh, he just gets more glory. I don't know how you're going to fix this, Jesus, but the fact that your name, that your name will be sufficient to cover it all, oof. Even so, Lord, come.